God is good. Amen. How many people are happy to this morning? How many people are blessed this morning? Amen. Amen. Can we say hallelujah? hallelujah. Uh, higher than that. Hallelujah. hallelujah. Louder than that. Hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. I, I'm so honored um, to, to, to be here this morning. Uh, my wife and I, we had a wonderful weekend. We had so much fun last night, but I want to give a special thanks, thanks to um, Ashley. Where is she? Where is Ashley? Oh, okay, she's right there. All right. Thank you so much for everything. She, she, we've been in contact for a uh, few weeks now, you know, uh, concerning this weekend. And uh, right now we're in uh, Airbnb, and we're, we're so good. And we were welcomed by a card and, and food and chips and juice. <laughs> it was so good. So, so I never felt so... So honored, and I want to thank you, Ashley. I want to thank the whole team that, uh, that you know, that um, participated in, in this special weekend. I want to thank Pastor Glenn, Pastor Mona, for, you know, allowing me to, to be here and to share your pulpit uh, to bring the word today. I, I'm not by myself. I'm with my lovely wife, Karen. <laughs> And we're so blessed to be here. Um, I, I want to bring you greetings from our bishop, uh, Mark Kelly Morissette, uh, who knows that I'm here today. And he, he salutes all of you. Um, so now, I, I, I wanted to um, preach on the, you know, the verse in Thessalonians. And in prayer, God gave me something else that okay but I wanted to talk about Pastor Mona Pastor Glenn and their ministry and um, you know he said I want to talk to the people I want to talk to the church I said okay all right so so in prayer God gave me something but I want to commend you to keep doing what you're doing keep appreciating your pastors uh, because I believe what Paul said, he did not say it in vain. He, he, there's a purpose for it. And if we look at human beings, we have a nature of, of searching for uh, appreciation. Since we were born, since we were children, we want to have that appreciation, that love. And, and, and you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you, you look for it in your parents. You look for it in, in your teachers. You look for it everywhere. You just want to be appreciated. And, and let, let me just let you in on something, because us preachers, we, we look for uh, something that we call a confirmation. Every time that we, we have to do something, or we did something, or we're about to do something, we're looking for a confirmation from the Holy Spirit. We, it's like we are looking for an approval, so we we all all ears we look for it, and you know we look for it in songs, we look for it in conversations that we have with people. Uh, is what I'm going to preach in line with what God wants to do. So so I've had my con <laughs> my confirmation. And, and I believe that that's what we look for. But that's what Pastor Glenn and Pastor Mona are still looking for in their ministry. So what you guys did, and that's what's important in the verse, is that you, you have to, you, you, say, you see it's right there, highest regard in love. It, it's not more about the appreciation that you give, but the love that accompanies the appreciation that's important because God uses the love in the appreciation. Someone can appreciate somebody because they told them to do so because this is the plan, this is the program, this is what we are about to do, but if it's not done with love, we don't feel it. And God uses the love to bless 
to confirm. Uh-huh. Is anybody, let, let me give you an example. I'm going to give you an example. When, when John the Baptist was in prison, he, he came to a point. He said, go tell Jesus, is he the one or should we wait for someone else? And Jesus replied to him. He said, the blind sees, the lame walks, the leapers are cleansed because what you did was right. What you did, and that was a confirmation for John the Baptist in prison, knowing that he's going to die. But from then on, he knew that he was going to die in peace. We all looking for that. I don't want to work in vain. I don't want to preach in vain. I, w I don't want to do what I'm doing in vain. So that's why I want to commend you to keep doing what you're doing because we need it as pastors. I know that you already do it. I I'm just talking about my own church who's not here. <laughs> we need to do it. I need it. I know I need it. Amen. I took, I took already a lot of time. Let me just get into the word. Can, can we open our Bibles in, in Acts chapter 12? And we just want to read this first 10 verses. And if I can have someone come here to read, to read it for me, please, um, I'll appreciate it. Pastor Mona, probably if you can come, or if somebody else can come to read it in English. V. And it says this. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intended to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers, uh, four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for God, uh, to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with, the cha with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off of Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really uh, happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Now, it's interesting to see um, how the church was growing and how fast, how rapidly the church was growing in those days. Um, and I believe it was encouraging for, for uh, Christians to keep doing or keep the message going. So the church, so more people could come to Jesus. But what was also interesting is how hostile the environment was towards Christians. They hated them. The Jews hated Christians. They didn't want to see them, and they, they didn't want to hear them. A lot of Jews was against this message that they were giving. 
Now, you would think that after all the teachings of Jesus, after uh, um, the miracles, after the, 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 the crucifixion and the resurrection and, and the movement of the Holy Ghost in, in the Pentecost, that they would be convinced that this is, this is not something made up. This is not a fiction. This is real. But they didn't. They didn't accept it. It's like the, the, the message didn't sit well with the Jews. And, and, and when you think about it, let's, let's be honest about it. It's, it is a message of love. It is a message of hope. It is a message of transformation. But for the Jews, it was not that at all. They rejected it. And I believe that beside the fact that it didn't sit well with their belief, with their traditions, there's also the fact that in this message, when we look at Peter and the, the first message that he, 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 he did on the day of Pentecost, he blamed the Jews twice in his message for participating in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. So the message for the Jews was offensive was frustrating because you're blaming us for something that you believe, so we're not ready to accept that message. Do you get what I'm saying? It's hard for them to accept it because of, of the blame that accompanies the message. But the thing is, in this text, it's like we can see the, the, the sentiment or the feeling that the Jews had towards Christians. They hated them. Have you ever felt like people hate you for what you believe? People hate you for being a Christian. People don't want to see you. They don't want to hear that message that you have because they don't like the message. It doesn't sit well with their reality. Have you ever felt that? Uh, you know, you, you say, have you ever felt those looks, those eyes, or those... <laughs> Those reaction when whenever you, you, you start talking about Jesus, I have. I have felt hated. Now, I, I don't mind being hated by someone that I don't know, but when it comes to my brother or to my sister or to my closest friend who does, doesn't believe in Jesus, and it's hard for me to talk about Jesus when they're around because I don't want to start a fight. I don't want to... Uh, you know, I, I don't want to, 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 to change the mood or change the environment because of what I bring. But as Christians, we have to remember what Paul told Timothy. He said, preach the word. Preach it in season and out of season. Convince. Use every situation that you have to preach the word. I don't, I don't care if they like you or they don't like you. I don't care if they agree or they don't agree. You have to preach the word. Now, that's what Paul told Timothy, someone who was growing in faith, someone who was called to be a pastor. That's what we need to do today still. We need to tell everyone, you have to preach. After I'm done preaching, after, after Pastor Mona done preaching, you have to preach on Monday. You have to preach on Wednesday. You have to preach in the family dinner. I don't care if you see those eyes like, mm, oh, there she goes again. I don't care if you, you, you look at their reaction, it's like, because even if they don't want it, someone else needs it. I'm not preaching to you who's not willing to listen to me. I want to preach to her who just said that she's going through something. And I believe I have a word for her. It's not about me. It's not about what I know. It's about what inside, what's inside of me. What's pushing me to say something in her condition, in her situation, in her reality. Because I, I, I care about her situation. So it's not about you. And sometimes we have to be bold about it. 
You have to be strong about it. We have to be, to, to be confident about it. I have something in me that needs to get out. <laughs> needs to get out for someone who's in need. And that's what the Christians were doing in those days. They had to preach the message in a hostile environment. What is weird about these times, or these times, is, is that it's not only about hate. It didn't stop in just hating me. It went further than that. They wanted to kill Christians. They wanted them dead. Wish death upon someone. They, they wish death upon James. They wanted James to be dead. Now that's really interesting because for me, this is not human. How can I bring a, pre, a, a message of love, a message that could change you, a powerful message that can transform your life, that can restore your life, and you, you wish death upon me? That is, that is unhuman. And that's when I understood that the real enemy is not the Jews, <laughs> but it's the devil. The real enemy is who's using the Jews to eliminate the Christians. Uh, how, do you, how do you see that, Pastor? Well, I see it in the ministry of Jesus. He started his ministry going in the desert to go pray for his ministry. Now, the Jews didn't come to tell him, what are you doing? What are you planning to do? No, it's the devil that came. The enemy came to tell him, I don't want this ministry. I, there's no place for this ministry in here. Uh, he's the prince of this world. And in, in Jesus' ministry, he came to a point where he, he, told, he told the authorities, you have Satan as a, as a father. Your father is the devil. You know, because he knows that it's not them, but what's working in them. That's the problem. Uh, when he was on the cross, the first thing that he said is, God, forgive them because they know not what they do. It's not them, but it's the devil. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? That's why we, that, that's why we can't hate people. We don't fight people. We fight the devil. We fight what's working in them. Because the devil wants to eliminate the message. So it's not you really, but it's what's inside of you. What's been put inside of you. I, I, I was glad when I, I saw this video of this couple. I don't know the couple, but they, they work in Portland. Is that, is that right? Now, in Portland, they, they working with something that was put inside of them, that was invested inside of them, that was sowed in them over there. So, so there's something in them. It's not much about them. It's what's inside of them that's giving problem to the devil. I'm not fighting a person. I'm fighting with the devil. In our ministry, that's what we have to understand. And that's what people don't often get. What we do when we're not on the pulpits. What happens when we're driving the car and, and, and suddenly the, the Holy Spirit puts someone in our heart and we just start praying for that person. We just start praying for the church. We, just, we don't even know what's going on, but we, we just start praying because there's, there's a power working against us. And the pastor is, is in the gap to pray. To pray for the church. The parent is in the gap to pray for his family, for his children, for, for, for his close ones. The, 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 we, we, who, 
who feels like you're in the gap, you're in the middle, and God wants to use you to pray for your loved ones? Who does feel that? Who does know that? I want you to know that God wants to use you to pray for your children. God wants to use you to pray for your cousin. God wants to use you to pray for your uncle, for your aunt. God wants to use you. He wants you to stand fast, to pray for those who needs it. I remember once, I, I, was, I was young. I was young. That was like more than 25 years ago. Yeah, I, I was really young. And, and I remember... <laughs> what? <laughs> I was really young. So, so, so I, I remember I was at a bus stop, you know, waiting for the bus to come. But at that time, I had what, you, what, you, what we called a Walkman. I don't know if you guys remember. <laughs> I had a Walkman, and you know that thing, you put the cassette in, and you know, you had headphones with cords. <laughs> it was not, they, they were not wireless. But I had a Walkman, and I was listening to my music, and uh, yeah, good, good. And, and one time, the, the cassette just stopped. The music just stopped. And, I said, okay, what's going on? And I took out the cassette, and everything was fine. I put it back and tried to press play, and it didn't work, no music at all. So I just had to stand there and wait for the bus with no music. How painful that was. <laughs> no, but, but I just came to a point. I said, okay, what should I do? And it, it just hit me, start praying. And I said, okay. So I started praying. I said, God bless me. God, and I prayed. I prayed. You know. I even I think I prayed for the walkman also. I don't, I'm not sure. I don't remember. But but I prayed. And after I finished praying, I said, Amen. And and I just felt good. So I, I took back the walkman and pressed play, and it still didn't work. So I said, okay, God, well, and I kept on praying. But in this prayer, I prayed for my father, for my mother, for, for my friends, for, for my brothers and sisters. And I, I started interceding. And, and I felt something, and I couldn't stop praying. Someone came into the bus stop, so I went out of the bus stop and started walking and praying and praying until the bus came. And when I sat in the bus, I felt so good. And I pressed play, and the music started again. I was, okay, what, what, what went on? What was that, Lord? But I said, okay, I don't know. But when I got in my house, my mother said, you, you, you wouldn't believe what just happened. I just finished talking to your brother who was driving on the highway. And while he was driving on the highway, there was an accident right in front of him. So he closed his eyes and he just turned the wheel. And he turned it. He doesn't know what happened, but he escaped the accident. And the car that was behind him went into the accident. But he was the only one who escaped. And I said, when that happened? She said, like, probably 30 minutes ago. I, I noticed that that's exactly when I was praying. You see, we have to understand that there's something inside of us that God wants to use. And we all have it. You have it. You have something in you that, that is connected with God. And you have to understand that that's what the enemy wants to eliminate. We have a message of love. We have a powerful message. We have a message of transformation that the devil wants to eliminate. So that's why we have to understand that when the, the, the text or when the story says that King Herod killed James and the reaction of the Jews, they were happy. They were glad. 
They wanted this. So King Herod, I believe he said, okay, well, let me fulfill their desires. Who's the head of this thing? Who motivates them? Who's the head? I want to aim the head of this thing because I want this thing to stop totally. I won't need to kill everybody, just the head. I believe when they told him it's Peter, he said, well, get me Peter because I want to finish this thing. That's why I, I want you to understand that you need to pray for your leaders. You need to stay in prayer for your leaders because the devil is looking for the head. He's looking for the head of the church. He's looking for the head of the house. He's looking for the head of the couple. He's looking for the head. And he wants to eliminate the head. But he can't kill the message. He can probably hurt you, but he can't kill the message. I, I, I want you to get this. I want you to get this because we have a message, but the devil has his own message. He wants you to know what he can do. He wanted the Jews to know that they can count on him. They wanted, he wanted the Christians to know that there's a new boss in town. There's a new sheriff in town. Yeah, there, there's, there's a new boss, a new king in town. And, and, and he wanted them to know. He, he has his own message. I'm going to get Peter, and I'm going to kill him after Passover. I wanna, I'm going to put him in a prison. I wanna, I'm going to guard him with four squads of four soldiers to make sure that the Christians know that there's, it's impossible to deliver him. That's the message of the devil. He wants you to understand that he's going to do something that you can't stop. He wants to eliminate the head. He wants to eliminate you. And he wants you to know that he has his own message. And he wants to put his own message above yours. I'm going to arrest him. I'm going to keep him in prison. I'm going to put four squads of four soldiers to guard him so it be impossible for you to deliver him. That's his message. That's what he wants you to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we just examine this little strategy of the devil? Can we just take a time to analyze his strategy? I just told you that the devil wanted to put four squads of four soldiers to guard Peter. Now, why is that? Peter is not a criminal. Peter didn't kill anybody. Uh, the Christians are pacific. They, they don't, they, they're not hostile. They, they don't beat up people in the streets. They don't do stuff like that. So, so why would he put four squads of four soldiers to guard Peter? He does it because the last time someone wanted to eliminate the head, <laughs> the last time someone tried to eliminate the head, well, the head came back. After three days, the head came back. He rose from the dead. So he said, this time, this time, well, if I succeeded with James, I'm going to succeed with Peter. But I want to make sure <laughs> that nothing bad happens. I want to make sure <laughs> that I have the right strategy to, to make sure that he stays here until I eliminate him. <laughs> but the funny thing is that he remembers what happened last time. And that's why he acted this way. See, the, the devil remembers 
what God can do. And sometimes he remembers more than we remember. Uh-huh. He, he, he knows more than we know, that we know. He, he, he knows that you don't know much about what's written in the Bible. He knows that you don't read every day. He knows that you don't know that much verses. He knows that. He, do, he knows that you don't know the whole Bible. So he wants to send his, his own message. So you be focused in his message rather than God's message. He knows that when Wednesday comes, when Thursday comes, you already forgot what Pastor Mona said last Sunday. So he's bringing a new message. He's sending you a text message. He's making someone call you with a, a bad news just to, just to disappoint you, just to make you walk with your head down. He has his own message because he knows that we forget easily what's in the Bible. He knows that we put... We, we, we give more attention to what's been said in the news than what's been said in the Bible. He knows that. But I remember a pastor saying, the devil may know that I don't know much about what's written in the Bible. He knows that I didn't go... <laughs> It didn't take no theology classes. He knows that. But what he doesn't know is that I, I took some neology classes. I know how to get on my knees. I know how to pray. I know that when I don't know the answer, one knows the answer. I know who knows the answer. I know how to get on my knees. That's why we see in the text that the Christians started praying. Our prayer is so important. Taking time to pray is so important. Taking time to pray when you don't have all the answers is so important. That's why, that, that's why we need to understand the power of prayer. The power of praying. And what we, what we need to have when we don't have the answer. When the devil comes with his message, we need to go into prayer. You see, your pastors, what they need more is not a, a, a bigger house with, with, with five rooms and nine bathrooms and a double garage and the pool in the back. They don't need a Tesla. <laughs> they don't need all the riches and all the gold that you can give them. What they really need is your prayer. <laughs> what they really need is something that will keep them in the road, something that will keep them pre preaching the, 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 the word of God. That's what they need. Do I have Christians today that still believe that prayer can do more than a house? That prayer can do more than a car? Do I have Christians today that still believe that prayer is more worth it than money? That's what we need to believe. That's what we need to give to our pastors. We need to tell them, you know, I'm still praying for you. You know, you was in my heart this weekend, and I prayed for you. That's so encouraging because we need it. Well, you have to know that every day we could get some attacks from the devil, but we need to stand on your prayers. Hallelujah. I feel God in this place. I feel that God wants to talk to someone today. Keep praying. Keep praying no matter what goes on in your life. Keep praying no matter what you hear because prayer can do a long distance in any situation. Prayer is what we need. That's what, that, that's what we have to stand on. Yes, yes, yes. And that's why prayer is still active even when the doctor said, well, there's nothing else we can do. That's why we keep praying. 
because we know that prayer, God can use prayer to do amazing things. The church was still praying. And the story says that the day before or the night before the execution of Peter, an angel came. An angel came to deliver him from this prison. An angel came to deliver him from the four squads of four soldiers to get him out of the prison. An angel came. How many believe in a last-minute God? He's our last-minute God. He, he can work at the last minute. Now, now if you tell me I'm a last-minute pastor, I'll take offense. <laughs> Uh, I, I, don't, I won't see it as a compliment. Uh, I'll know that I need to work on some stuff. <laughs> because if I, you call me a last-minute pastor, no, I won't smile. But, but, but God loves working at the last minute. And, and sometimes it, it's not an offense for God. To, to, to be called the last-minute God because the way God works is that he wants everyone to know that he's the last resource. He's the last one that you can call. He could be, after, after everything that was said and done, after, every went, after, after everyone that you went to, you can call on him and he could work at the last minute. The Bible says that the night before, that, that means I don't know how long the church was praying, but they had to keep praying. We have to be patient in our prayers, knowing that at the last minute, God can do something. And that's why I said that even after your boss told you, well, you know, we have to let you go. Your prayers can change things. After the doctor said, well, there's nothing else we can do. Your, pro your prayers can change things. You have to keep praying because we serve a God that can work at the last minute. He can do amazing things at the last minute. I want God to keep, do something for me when everyone told me that you should give up on this. You, you should make peace with this. And I, I want to keep praying because, because at the end, God's going to show everyone that the faith that I have in him, the faith that I have in him is more for him than what other people say. He appreciates the faith that we have in him. He honors the faith that we have in him. He's the last minute God. How many people believe that? He can work in your situation when everybody told you, give up. When everybody told you, listen, I'm here for you. I, I know it's not easy. I know it's hard, but, you know, let's just accept it as it is. He can do something even after. Because he wants to show everybody that he's your God. He wants to show everybody that the, 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 the confidence that you had in him was worth something. Sometimes he does it in purpose to make sure that everyone sees the one that told you that you wouldn't amount to anything, the one that told you that you wouldn't be anything, the one that said something negative in your life. He wants to, he wants, he wants them to see. So sometimes he's waiting at the last minute because he's still waiting for your aunt to come back from vacation. <laughs> he's waiting for your father to be back. He's waiting for everyone to be here, to be present, <laughs> so he can show everyone that he's God, that he gets the glory out of the situation. He wants to show everyone that he is your God. 
when David says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemy. That's what he meant. He wants your enemies to see that no weapon formed against you was able to prosper. He wants everyone to see it. He wants to make a spectacle, a spectacle uh, of your situation. He wants everyone to see that he gets the glory at the end. Not your doctor. Uh -huh. He gets the glory. Not your friend. He gets the glory. How many people want that? Do we have a church that wants that? Do we have anybody that wants that? I want God to tell, to, I want God to show everyone that I was right to wait on him. I was right to stand fast in prayer. I was right to use my knees. Would it be wonderful? And that's my own opinion. Would it be wonderful? That you put some jeans, you know, some, those cut-up jeans, and they could see your knees. <laughs> you could see your knees, but not moist, moisturized knees. <laughs> not not, <laughs> not good-looking knees, but hashy knees. All cracked-up knees. And he said, what is that? How come you got knees like that? Well, you know, that's how I fight. I fight on my, uh, hallelujah, I fight on my knees. Would it be wonderful that, that, that you don't get out with a style, but you get out to show people that you're a Christian, that you, that you use your knees for God's purpose, that you use your knees for your friends, that you use your knees for your loved ones, that you're constantly in battle for those who, who you love. Wouldn't it be wonderful? I think so. But I believe that God needs to get the glory out of any situations. So we need to keep praying. I, 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 I'm thinking about this, uh, this person in the Bible. His name was, is Mordecai. Mordecai did a lot for his people. Mordecai prayed for his people. Mordecai counseled his, his, uh, uh, her, his nephew, well, no, his niece, I'm sorry, <laughs> you know, to save the people. And Mordecai didn't know that Haman wanted to kill him, that he prepared something to kill him. And, and the Bible said on this last day, before Amen was going to kill him. God, God made the king not being able to sleep. The king couldn't sleep at all. So how come I can't sleep? How come I'm not able to sleep? And he said, maybe there's something that I forgot to do. Maybe there's something that I needed to do that I didn't do. So, so he said, get me the books of, of Chronicles. And when he looked at the book of Chronicles, he, he said, oh, oh, well, we have Mordecai who did this for the king. Did we honor him? Did we do something for him? I feel something in me saying that I need to honor Mordecai. And when he saw at the, uh, at the court, he saw, he, he, saw, he saw Amen walking. He said, oh, call Amen for me. Amen. What do we do to honor someone who did something right? And he said, well, well I think he thought he, he wanted to honor him. <laughs> well, well, King, I think, I think you, you know, the, we, we should put the robe of the king on him. We, 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 should, we should put him on the king's horse so everyone in the city could see that the king is honoring someone. And the king said, that's good. Now do that for Mordecai. <laughs> the same person that wanted to kill Mordecai was the one used to honor <laughs> Mordecai. You see how God works. <laughs> the very thing that the devil was trying to use to make you fall. 
the hole that he was preparing for you to fall, he, he turned it against him. Ah, hallelujah. He turned it against him, against Haman. So it's not you that's going to die. It's not you that's going to fall. It's not you that's going to fail. It's the devil. Because what's inside of you, God's not ready to make it die. It's not, he's not ready to, 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 to make you fall. No, no. He wants to use you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe that God wants to keep us in his love. And he wants to show everyone, everyone, that he loves us. That he's willing to do anything to make your enemy know that he's, his love is on you. His favor is on you. He's willing to act at the last minute. He's willing to, 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 to make sure that everyone sees that you're highly favored, that he has not abandoned you. I believe that's what he's about to do. Now, I don't know if I'm preaching for one person today, but I want to tell you Keep your head up. Don't give up. I want to tell you the battles is not over. Keep standing. I want to tell you keep listening to God's message. I want to tell you stop listening to what's been said outside. Start listening. To what's been said here. Say, God, it's your voice that I need to hear. I want to get used to your voice. Last thing that I want to say is that when, when, when the angel delivered Peter from the prison, Peter said, okay, let me go to Mary's house. And th there were a bunch of people praying for Peter when he knocked on the door. And there, w there was this woman who came to answer the door, and she, she heard Peter's voice. The Bible says that she recognized his voice. You have to recognize the one who's teaching you have to be able to recognize the person who's pouring in your spirit, who wants good for you. You need to be able to recognize her voice, his voice. Say, God, I recognize your voice. It's your voice that I'm looking for. It's your voice that I want to hear in this situation. It's your voice that I need to hear every day. So when the devil talks to you, you'll know this is not God. Oh. This is not a voice that I'm used to hear. So you'll know exactly which message you need to constantly hear. She went back. And told everybody, listen, I really believe it's Peter behind the door. She didn't even open the door. She said, I believe it's Peter. It's not an enemy. It's not someone that, that wants to captivate us. No, no, it's, it's Peter. And the Bible says that someone told this woman, are you crazy? Are you beside yourself? Are you crazy, Peter? <laughs> you see, we can have everybody here praying because Pastor Mona said, let's pray. But it's not everybody 
that prays in faith. Sometimes you, you could pray and the person beside you doesn't even believe. God, you know, we all know the situation. We all know why she got into this situation. You're not praying in faith. You need to be praying, God, I know we all fall short. But in everything, I know you can say something. I know that you're powerful. I know that you can deliver with your love. I believe you. That's how we need to pray. This person said, are you crazy? Peter? He must, no, that must have, no, that's his angel. <laughs> He's already dead because they knew that it was impossible for them, even with their prayer. But when you pray, you have to know that what's impossible for you is possible for God. So they, 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 are you crazy? And then Peter knocked some more. <laughs> and when they saw Peter, they were all in joy because they knew that God did a miracle. God did something that the church couldn't do. God still honors people who, who lean on him. I want you to lean on God. I want you to put your, your faith in God. Say, God, in this situation that I'm in, I don't know how I'm going to get out of it. I don't know what's going to happen. I know what I heard. I know what the doctor said. I know what my brother said. I know what my mother said. But I need you to say something. I need to hear your voice. Because I know that you can do the impossible for me. I know that it's never too late for you. I know that you can work even at the last minute. Jesus, he smells already. But I know that you can do something even now. Do we have some faith Christian, radical faith Christian in here? I want you to keep your faith intact. Whatever you hear outside, whatever you heard this week, I want you to keep your faith intact in your situation. To say, God, I know she needs it. And I'm, I'm going to stand in the gap for her. I know that you can do something. I know that you can turn this thing around. I need you. Now, if it's you this morning, I want you to stand up. If it's you this morning, God, I know you're talking to me. I know that you want me to keep praying. I know you want me to keep interceding. I know you want me to not give up. If it's you, just stand up. God, it's me. It's me you're talking to. It's me you want to, you want me to know that you can, you can work anytime. It doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter what the devil wants me to hear. It's all about you, God. It's all about you. It's all about what you say. It's all about your message. I understand now that, that the devil can't kill my message. Hallelujah. I understand now that, God, that the devil can't, can't, can't put me down because I have your message in me. I'm going to come out of this. 
Does anybody believe that? I'm going to come out of this. I want you to put your hands in your heart. One hand in your heart, one hand up. And say, hallelujah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come out of this. Now, if you're standing for somebody else, hallelujah, I want you to say she's going to come out of this. Or he's going to come out of this. Can you say that? Can you say that? Can you say that? Because you believe it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for everyone that's standing. Père Céleste, je viens devant toi en cet instant. Parce que tu es digne d'adoration. Tu es digne d'être élevé. Tu es digne de recevoir la gloire en toutes circonstances. Seigneur éternel, je te remercie pour ce message. Ce message qui nous rappelle que l'ennemi ne peut pas arrêter ce que tu as mis en nous. Ce message qui nous rappelle que tu nous as choisis, alléluia. Ce message qui nous rappelle que ton message sera toujours plus grand que celui de l'ennemi. Seigneur éternel, je remets chaque personne qui se sont levées. Permets, Seigneur éternel, à ce qu'ils puissent retourner chez eux différemment de la manière qu'ils sont venus. Permets à ce qu'ils puissent retourner chez eux avec une conviction que l'ennemi ne peut pas voler. Seigneur éternel, je crois en toi. Je crois, alléluia, en ta puissance. Je crois, Seigneur éternel, que lorsque nous nous tenons debout pour toi, Seigneur, tu es capable de faire l'impossible pour nous. Seigneur, je remets toutes les situations impossibles. Je remets toutes les situations. Alléluia. Je remets toutes les situations, Seigneur éternel, où, où ce que des paroles ont été euh, communiquées sur ces situations, communiquées pour les dire qu'ils n'arriveront pas. Ils, ils seront vaincus. Ils ont la défaite et leur partage. Mais au nom de Jésus, nous voulons appliquer le nom de Jésus sur toutes les situations impossibles. Car nous savons que, alléluia, nous savons que si tu es pour nous, qui sera contre nous? Nous savons, Seigneur éternel, que toute arme forgée contre nous sera sans effet. Seigneur éternel, agis pour tes enfants. Agis pour l'église Living Hope. Alléluia. Afin que tout, pour, tout pouvoir de l'ennemi soit inefficace, alléluia, soit cancellé dans le nom de Jésus. Afin que l'église puisse te, te, se tenir debout. Alléluia, par ta grâce, par ton amour, par ta puissance. Gloire à Jésus, gloire à toi, Seigneur. Tu es digne de gloire, tu es digne de gloire, tu es digne de gloire. Alléluia, sois élevé, Seigneur. Sois glorifié, sois magnifié, Seigneur. C'est notre prière ce matin. Te faisons cette prière dans le nom précieux de Jésus. À lui soit la gloire l'honneur et la magnificence au siècle des siècles. Amen. Est-ce qu'on peut applaudir la présence de Dieu ce matin? Est-ce qu'on peut applaudir plus? Oh, can we clap louder? I'm sorry. <laughs> louder than that, louder than that. You know, when I go see a hockey game, they make so much noise in the arena just for this little thing, this little black thing that gets into the goal. They make so much noise. Now, I believe that this morning, God is about to make a goal. <laughs> I believe this morning, God is about to change something in someone's life. Now, can you make some noise for this? Oh, okay, okay, that's more like it, but that's not quite. Can you make some noise for what God is about to do in your life? Hallelujah.